Hey Pacer fans, I'm Miles Turner, and here's the Sideline Guys podcast. Welcome Pacers fans into another Sideline Guys Wednesday alongside Jeremiah Johnson. I'm Pat Boylan. You know, when uh, we were leaving the building every once in a while, we leave at the same time and had the chance to run into you on the way out. And it just kind of hit me. Um, we've had some bad luck in terms of um, Pacers results going right into this podcast because you look at the last JJ six games or so, and I think there's a lot to like. Um, but the last time we were talking, it was out of that Milwaukee loss. Obviously, a, very, uh, a, a disappointing game against the Wizards on Monday as well. Um, overall, you've won four of your last six here. But a, a disappointing, I think, uh, missed opportunity to capitalize on uh, some strong play overall to get your third in a row, to get your fifth out of six. We will go into this podcast. There are you know, a handful of things that bigger picture I do think are trending in the right direction but it just seems to me like consistency has been something that this team is still striving for this year you know they won three straight games out of the top of the season and haven't won three straight since and I don't know it seems to me like things are trending in the direction you want them to be but last night was you know another example of just couldn't grasp on to that more extended winning streak I'm reminded of one of the famous quotes, and I think I was actually the one that got it on my phone and tweeted it out, and then it just became uh, something that everybody used. It was Aaron Brooks in the 2016-17 season. I don't know if you remember this, but actually uh, he told me this. I'm pretty sure. I mean, sometimes my memory can combine a couple things, but the way I recall (laughs) it is a practice in Washington, D.C. on the practice court a day before the Patriots were set to play the Wizards, and it was one of those stats that just kept going where, uh, at the middle of the season, the Pacers had yet to have a three-game winning streak or a three-game losing streak, and he said we're consistently inconsistent. And uh, I, I'm not even sure if that necessarily makes sense because it, you're actually consistent in that you win and lose with regularity. But uh, cons- and if you would be uh, winning five in a row and losing five in a row, that would be more inconsistency. But anyways, right. uh, I thought it was funny. Um, and I actually thought it was accurate. And I guess I could say maybe the same thing in this situation, except I don't want to compare this team to the 2016-17 team. I, I hope we don't um, end this season thinking that those were similar groups, but I don't really know. The other thing that I'm having a difficult time with is with so much of 2020 starting to feel a little bit more normal. And for me, I view, I view the year and the calendar by sporting events. And so the NCAA tournament, going on in March and the first week of April will be the final four and baseball starts around that same time. And the masters is right after that. The Kentucky Derby is the first Saturday in May and, and the Indy 500 is going to be Memorial day weekend. All of those things make me happy. Uh, but normally the NBA calendar, then I start fully thinking about playoffs, seedings and matchups. Once the calendar turns to April and many of you might be listening to this on April 1st and we have no idea what the playoff situation will be. And I actually think, Pat, that's a good thing because this group, while they are getting better, and we saw, you have to say they are getting better when they won four out of five, including two straight at Miami and a win at Dallas, even though Luka didn't play. It's never um, one that you can just chalk up as an easy victory. But then you just can't afford to have a letdown like you had Monday night. And the only thing that I will say to this is, Justin Holiday and Karis LeVert are two guys that have somewhat similar roles. They're very important to this team, and neither one could, you know, to put it nicely, throw it in the ocean last night uh, as we record this on Tuesday. Karis LeVert really struggled 
Uh, Justin Holiday was a little bit more on target, did hit a three or a couple threes, I think. But if either one of those guys just have average shooting nights, isn't it a Pacers win? I mean, or even if at 116-110, you just get a stop. Now, yeah. I know people can say, well, yeah, then get it done. And it's not even that much different than that Detroit game where things were starting to slip away. Karis LeVert hits that three, and you just you just move on and forget about it and are thankful you got to win. And and then when you don't, then you're lamenting, how did this happen? And so we see this happen all the time in the NBA. The Wizards entering the game were 9-9 nine and nine against top 10 teams in the NBA. That record doesn't change because the Pacers are not a top 10 team, but that does show what they're capable of. But then everyone would say, well, they didn't have Bradley Beal. How do you let that happen? Well, uh, maybe if Bradley Beal was playing, they wouldn't have attacked the paint so frequently and had 74 points in the paint. And maybe if he doesn't shoot a high percentage, you're in a better situation. Who knows? All I can say is that I'm I'm to the point right now where I don't root for or hope for the other team's star player to miss a game because it doesn't really seem like the, the numbers bear out that that gives you a better chance to win. In fact, over the years for the Pacers, they've had a lot of these times where teams' best players have had an illness or an ailment or something where they're forced to miss a game. And I don't know. It just feels to me like it's less than 50% chance the Pacers win those games. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go back to that 116-110 moment. And I started for the first time in that game feeling confident right then. I thought, you know, uh, some right around that time you had the Justin Holiday. Uh, foul on a three. Granted, I think he missed um, the three-point or the uh, the four-point play. Okay, let's just but, stop right there. Let, right? Let, let's stop on that one real quick since you brought it up. Okay, we had a long discussion, and I don't want this to be as long on, on the topic of flagrants, and this is a completely different kind of flagrant. But from what you saw on those replays, was there any difference to what he did in, you know, the landing spot and what was done to him? No. And if you, and I, if you do, I, then I, that's fine. No, I don't. I, I, I saw absolutely no difference. And to be honest, we we didn't get, you know, I, I don't know if the replay angles weren't quite as good for that one. It was, you know, it's in the corner maybe, so it's tougher to see. But uh, I said on air, I said, this looks to me exactly like Wednesday and then uh, and then exactly like the other one that, that we saw. So, no, it, in fact, um, I said to, to Mark Boyle after, I would like to get, you know, if we can get an explanation maybe in the offseason or something on what they're looking for because – it's also funny how like these things just they, they occur in bunches, right? Like um, the, the, the elbows that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, you had three or four of those situations come up in like a week and a half. And now I don't think we've seen this sliding under the three point shooter all year. And now I think we've seen it three times in a week. But no, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know what the difference there was. To me, it looked like he didn't have room to land. And he landed on uh, whoever that was closing out's foot. So, no, I, I don't understand that one. Okay. I, you can, I was hoping you would say that, but I, um, you know, and I thought the first one was a flagrant on Justin as the, as the rule states, he did not allow the shooter to come down. It could have potentially been dangerous, even though I don't think it was on purpose. I'll, uh, uh, some would question Zaza Pachulia when that rule was basically enacted, whether he did it on purpose or not, or is a somewhat dirty player at times, Justin is not. But even more so because it's fresh in the referees' minds, and I think they're the ones that called that one, right? The ones on the court, not the replay center. Um, I, I don't know. Just I was very surprised. I was not surprised, and I thought it was the correct call that Justin was given a flagrant foul in the first half. But then I just I saw no difference the second half. And you know, if you keep the ball there, that that's yeah. potentially huge. 
It certainly is. It certainly is because you go to from, uh, you know, potentially finishing off a four point play and then keeping the ball to the free throw is missed. And then Washington gets the ball. And yeah, it was a it was a big play, a big, uh, you know, section of that game. And uh, the, the rule as a whole, you know, it's, it's to me a tough one to find. I guess flagrants are like that, too. It's, it's tough to know where the line is because you never have more three-point shooting than you do now. You've got guys closing out. Uh, they're not trying to land in your space. But, you know, it, it can be hard to avoid um, coming down. So, may, I mean, maybe it's one of those scenarios where the NBA says, look, we understand that it's not the easiest thing to avoid being in that space when you're trying to close out quickly, but you just have to figure out how to do it. I don't know. Um, but I, I agree. I, w- I was surprised. It seemed to me um, to be the exact same scenario that we saw the two previous ones. And, and it was it was in a big moment in the game and coincidence or not. I don't know. I mean, maybe you would um, maybe Justin would have a, a feel for that. But the momentum did turn, I think, um, pretty soon after that one. And so, you know, you're, you're coming out of this Wizards game. And as we kind of talked on the podcast last week after the Milwaukee game, things didn't feel great in that moment. Um, but you still are kind of I think I called it at the pivot point of the year. You're still kind of at a pivot point to me because you've got this game coming up on Wednesday against Miami. And if you win it, if it's a home win and, you know, maybe there is some excitement, some extra excitement with Victor Oladipo back. And if this feels like a signature win to close out the month, you're still going to be disappointed that, that you dropped the Wizards game. In fact, you know, you and I will probably say on air, uh, you know, an opportunity to have six of seven had you won that Wizards game. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss the significance of Monday, but it does feel like to me, you're kind of at the, at a similar point that we were talking last week. You're off of a couple really good wins against Miami, but then uh, Milwaukee didn't look great. And then, uh, you know, you came back and, and in this case, you won against Detroit and you had a terrific game against Dallas. So a couple um, strong wins, especially the Dallas game and important, if nothing else, even if it wasn't, you know, the most uh, attractive victory, if you will, against the Pistons, important just to get a win at home with how few home games there were. And then again, you have another Monday game where um, you don't play very well. So here we here we go again on Wednesday. Um, I really feel like, you know, they're kind of at a similar point. The, the Eastern Conference standings are still extremely tight and you've got an opportunity to sweep the heat um, to get a big home win before you turn the calendar over to the last full month of the regular season. And I think if Wednesday is that signature kind of win. Um, you know, it has a way of healing a lot of what happened on Monday. If you struggle, if you don't win, um, you know, if, if Wednesday doesn't go your direction, you know, then it has a chance to go the other way. So I really feel like I try not to do this on the podcast or on air, um, you know, too often during the year, because I think it's easy to be prisoner of the moment and feel like the next three games are the biggest three games of the season. And, um, you know, I, I try not to do that very often, but I do feel like we're in a stretch here where, um, you know, you miss an opportunity to really, um, you know, string together uh, your third win um, to keep the momentum going. You've missed that opportunity, but um, the opportunity from a bigger picture standpoint, I think is still very much there. And I think this Wednesday game against Miami coming up, um, you know, depending on when people are listening to this, perhaps it's already happened. So I don't want to focus too much on it. Um, but I, I do feel like it's, it's one of the bigger ones of the year just from a momentum standpoint and from a confidence standpoint where this team is. 
much like I think I said a couple of weeks ago that they needed, as you mentioned, a four or five, six game winning streak. I think I also did say that over the course of the final two months, they pretty much it kind of feels like they need to win two out of every three. So with mm-hmm. if that's going to happen, there are going to be these games like the Wizards games. Unfortunately, we no one wants them. And it just so happens we're talking about them on our podcast, it seems like, because they happen on Sundays or Mondays. But um, it, it just it's going to happen. So they're going to be, there's going to be a game against Detroit. Who knows at the end in April, and maybe you lose that game. And they have a lot of opportunities against teams in the bottom five of each conference. Let's remember they've yet to play the thunder. They still have two more games against the wizards. I was kind of thinking selfishly, maybe they could get all three of those games. Now they cannot, but maybe they have a, a double win week against the wizards in may and then there's going to be that opportunity the last week of the season if you did peek that far ahead where there is a little bit of a gauntlet but we just don't know what all those teams will be playing for at that point in time so the schedule still i think does tilt in the pacers favor two things have to happen i think um, they just have to play well this next week or two and i think they'll feel better about what they did the last week and a half if they drop off and lose to the heat and then struggle the next couple of games, I think they'll revert back to the mindset of where they were in February and early March. But if they can have a good week ahead and they can say, yeah, well, you know, it's been six out of seven, seven of eight. Now, instead of in ninth or 10th, we're in seventh or eighth and we have our eyes set on fourth. I think that can carry them forward the remainder of the season because they are about about as healthy as they have been. Now I say that. And then Doug McDermott missed the last game with a sprained ankle and and Jeremy Lamb left with the sprained toe. So now they take a step back in that direction as well. But I think they are positioned to withstand short-term losses because you have a guy like Aaron holiday who was not even in the rotation. So you can easily put him in. And I think they don't really lose that much if they do that. And I I'd love to still this season, see Aaron Holiday get more of a chance and almost approve himself uh, scenario. So I, I, I'm with you. I think the Wednesday game against the Heat is huge. I cannot wait to see it. But I worry about, you know, if you are seeing the glass half empty, what happens if they don't play well against the Heat? And then all of a sudden, Friday, sun, Saturday, uh, Charlotte, was it Charlotte and San Antonio? My, my memory of the schedule is not as good as it used to be when I would travel all the time. <laughs> Even short term, sometimes I'm like, who are they playing? Because I don't yeah. have, I don't have that need to know where I'm going to be. It's just who the opponent is. And, you know, unfortunately about a day and a half before the games when I really need to care about that, because that's when I'm digging into the opposition a little bit, but you've got heat Hornets and Spurs three games in four days games you could win all of them but if you don't play well they're all three better than the Wizards you could lose them all so I do think this is really important and and there's one thing we can't really judge we can only prognosticate a little bit is the mindset and just kind of the mood of the team um was a little worried I would be honest in saying about a week ago felt better in the last week because what I've seen just in in watching the 22 inch monitor that I view all of the games on in the loft. Um, but really we don't know. And I know you, some of you come to this podcast to get the insider's perspective. This is as challenging of a year to really get a feel for the team I think as I've ever had. And so in some ways we're, we're just like all of you listening. Yeah, no, I think that's so true because, you know, look, there's, there's always a division between the team and us, but it just, uh, especially, you know, your perspective, getting to be on the road, getting to be with them, 
you know, a hundred plus days a year, um, getting to go to practices and talk in person. And, and really, you know, we get the zoom calls, which is, you know, a, a, a nice substitute, but it's not the, it's not the same thing. It's not, um, it doesn't replace getting, you know, to be around them as often. And, you know, maybe we wouldn't have a, a much greater of a feel. Like I, as you were talking about the 16, 17 team, like I really never felt like I got a full grasp on, um, you know, that group and that happens sometimes, but it is, it, it's, it's tough to know, um, you know, where this team is, because I think you look at them and you see, you know, the two games in Miami and the game in Dallas, like it's there. Um, they're, they're just, there's a, a part of them that hasn't been able to harness it consistently over extended stretches. And I do believe very much that this group can figure that out, you know, uh, if for nothing else, because so many of these guys were have been around years before, like that's the difference between the 16, 17 team to me is that was, you know, a, a fairly new grouping of players, Aaron Brooks and Jeff Teague. And I'm not sure they ever really meshed together. Well, we know this team can do that. It is a different group. They're trying to fit in Karis Levert. Um, you know, Levert's return, as we've talked about, we've been previewing it for a month before it happened. It's much needed. They needed another score. I, I do think last uh, Monday night's game felt like uh, a little bit like those games earlier in the year where Sabonis was terrific. Brogdon was really strong. Um, but you were missing that next third option. Levert didn't have a great game. Justin Holliday didn't have a great game. Doug McDermott, um, you know, wasn't available. And that's what you ultimately need, I think, to have success is consistent scoring. And I do think it's reasonable to, you know, give Levert probably about a month's time before you start to hope that he's at 100% capabilities. And then, um, you know, if he can be the consistent score that I think he's shown in his career, I think you probably end up winning games like Monday night that you just don't have right now. And it's not, that's not making an excuse. It's just a reality, you know, just as this team started to get healthy while they're still now trying to work, um, you know, a new player into things. And at times it looks, he looks really good like the Detroit game. And at times he struggles like in Monday night's game. And, you know, just as you look at the standings, uh, Atlanta is such a good example of what can happen if you can get hot. Um, now, they've since gotten, you know, kind of cold, but um, they went from 10th or 11th into 4th and are now uh, in 6th, but they're a half game out of 4th. And the Pacers still, after last night, they're two games out of 4th. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It, it, it would only take a good week, you know, if, if you if you won three or four in a row, uh, who knows? You and I could be talking next week about the team in in fourth or fifth. Now there's a lot of teams to jump, which is its own challenge. Uh, but I mean, look at the Knicks; they got hot a little bit earlier as well, and and now they're sitting in fifth. And and I think the goal still here is, um, you know, to avoid to not only make the the playoffs, but to if you can avoid uh, that first round play in round tournament, whatever you want to call it. But there is at least the solace of the fact that if you look at the standings, I'm not saying this is over, um, but Toronto really has hit the skids here. And if you go down to 10th position, that's where Chicago is. The Pacers are two games ahead of the Bulls, and that's the last play-in spot, if you will. And then Toronto is two games behind Chicago. So the Pacers are four games up on the 11th place team. You don't want to have to be in those games, but um, I think there is at least a, a little bit of solace in the fact that if you don't figure things out to the level that you want to, as long as you can, um, as long as you can avoid a big drought yourself, 
you should at least have that opportunity. Um, and, you know, if you get hot during that time, who knows? But that's that's a long way into the future. Um, and, and I think, you know, when, when you talk about, well, how do you how do you get more consistent? How do you win games more consistently? Like what were those teams the last few years when they were able to do those things? What were they doing? Well, look, it's the NBA. You play in a ton of close games and the Pacers from a clutch rating perspective, which the NBA defines as last five minutes of games that are within five points. Uh, you need to have, uh, you know, long play in that time. And the Pacers just haven't been very good in that area. So uh, one thing before we wrap up this podcast is we haven't done a whole lot of pick three this year, but let's bring the pick three back. This is one of your ideas. And uh, let's talk about players that you would want to have the ball with the game on the line, because I think the Pacers are still figuring that out. Uh, They brought Levert back into this mix. They've used Levert in these situations a lot. Um, I'm not sure there's one clear and obvious guy like there would have been with Victor Oladipo a couple of years ago. So I'll uh, I'll let you start with this one. Yeah, and it's one of those things that if they can get just a little bit better, better in this area, and I'm not necessarily saying with less than 30 seconds to play in a game, but with four minutes left in the game, they yeah. might be 500 or a game or two above. And so I think Karis LeVert really does help if they can get in those situations, but I'm almost even hoping they can start to to have a little bit more of a sense of urgency to get a really good shot or to um, execute with three and a half minutes on the clock and not just with 30 seconds on the clock. But if the game is on the line and you're and what I'm I'm saying, not just with the ball when the play starts, but with the shot that goes up, I think it's still right now between the two guys who've been most consistent all season. It's Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis, because um, both of those guys, you know, if Sabonis gets it, there's a good chance it's inside. Um, I just think back to that Celtics play. I just want to see that a few more times. I just just continue to run that play and have it actually work where he can go in and, and, (laughs) you know, confidently put it up with his left hand and score. But I think I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards Brogdon just because he just is unfazed by the moment. He's so calm and he has been clutch. If there's been a player that has shown, you know, the biggest knack for hitting a shot that really matters in a clutch situation to me, it is Brogdon. So if he has his feet set and he's shooting a three pointer, um, as long as it's one of his, you know, good shots, good looks, um, I'm, I'm going to pick Malcolm Brogdon with my first selection. I think that's a good one. And, and not only that, but I think uh, part of the point that you were making there is the one that I wanted to as well. And so I will say uh, Karis Levert with my selection and in part because of Malcolm Brogdon. And look, uh, we know Brogdon and Sabonis, that pick and roll is is usually very, very effective. Um, but it has struggled a little bit comparatively in the last few minutes. The Pacers have struggled to get good looks. And I like having the dynamic of Levert on the ball a bit more and uh, Malcolm hunting for his shot a little bit more because, you know, he was five of 10 from the three point line on Monday night. He was six of nine the night before he was a 50, 40, 90 guy when he was able to hunt for his shot uh, in Milwaukee. Now he left Milwaukee because he wanted the opportunity to show that he could do what he has shown that he can uh, be a point guard, that he can, you know, be a high assist guy and that he can lead a team. So I'm not saying that I want him, you know, trying to revert to a Milwaukee role or anything. But I do think he's very valuable in those scenarios, those catch and shoots. He's a very, very good shooter. And, you know, the numbers show that when he's in catch and shoot, as almost every guy in the NBA is, he's more effective than uh, off the dribble. And so because of that, my pick is going to be Levert because I do think um, Levert is a strong 
shot creator. I think he, you know, is, is a dynamic type of player in that regard. I think we're still starting to see, like, I think he's still showing us that. Like, I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to see more examples of this. I think he's still trying to get his legs under him, especially late in games. You know, for a guy working on conditioning, that can be challenging. So I'm going to pick Karis LeVert because I think he has maybe the best ability to create his own shot of anybody on the team. And as a sidebar to that, I, I love the idea of, you know, Malcolm Brogdon able to uh, find holes in the defense around the perimeter, uh, hunt for his own shot kind of thing. I've never been someone that likes to go Mr. Obvious. And so I've already said DeMontis Sabonis. So if I have a third pick, it, it should be him. And I was also going to make an honorable mention case for Miles Turner if he has his feet set and he gets an open three because I've seen him do it. I mean, that, think back to that Pelicans game when, when mm-hmm. Oladipo scored, gets the steal, and, and passes to Miles. I, I just think that he is the kind of player that is confident enough in himself right now that he can knock down that shot. But with my selection, I'd be curious to know what you think about this. I hinted around at his name earlier in the podcast. And, and just this is just a, a gut feeling and, and watching this person play over the last few years. I would not shy away from letting Aaron Holiday have a big shot with the game on the line. And I, I think that he, you know, as much as I love Doug McDermott and Justin Holiday, I just haven't seen them in that situation. They haven't always gotten an opportunity. But I, I just think that Aaron Holiday has so much confidence that he's someone that is unfazed by that moment, would, would not even think, oh, this, this is for the win. He would just think this is a shot right. I'm going to make. And he's, I mean, he, let's be honest, he has had, a frustrating, I'm sure in his eyes there are reasons for it, but it's been a disappointing season. But if Jeremy Lamb is to miss any time, I'm really interested to see what Aaron Holiday does for this team and for himself over the next week. I would not have been shocked last week if he was traded. I mean, we didn't anticipate much at the trade deadline, but I would assume that the Pacers at least listened and there were some teams that had interest in him. And here he is still with the Pacers. And so um, I want to see what he does over the next week. But we've seen Nate Bjorkren go with different lineups deep into fourth quarters. If Aaron Holiday is playing well early in a fourth quarter with second unit players and just has it going, it's happened, I think, twice this season where he just stayed on the court. That could still happen despite a couple of DNPs over the last week. And so, um, you know, I've always, I'm not always, I've had some frustrations over Aaron Holiday's career just with just wanting more, I think, but I haven't given up on them. And I don't think the franchise has either. And don't be surprised if there is a game in the last month or two where he hits a big shot and he's doing the walk-off interview. I still think that he has that in him. I agree. And we'll see if he's able to be on the court in those scenarios. Like you said, he's fallen out of the rotation. Uh, maybe injuries will place him back in there and give him one of those opportunities if he's hot. But the pay, I mean, I think back to that Atlanta game. Uh, he got hot in the fourth quarter and helped deliver the Pacers on a on a on a comeback win. He's had those moments. Um, you know, he hit two years ago. Or I know it was last season um, against Toronto. He hit yep. tons of big shots down the stretch of to me what ended up being one of the two or three most memorable games of the year. So not only has he shown that, but the thing you love about Aaron Holiday is the fact that you can never tell. And and maybe sometimes this isn't always the best thing, but in general, (laughs) I think it's a really good thing. You can never tell how he's playing or how his shot is uh, falling by how he's playing. Like he has the confidence that he's going to step up and hit the next shot. 
Um, and and you can you you can just never tell how his night's going based on on all of that. And you know another guy who's a little bit like that, and and they're very different players and at different uh, points, you know, in their career and in the rotation. But he started to Goga's a little bit like that. Like uh, you know he he hasn't hit a ton of threes in his career, but he's a he has good form. He looks like a pretty good shooter. And when they leave him up there up top, he doesn't hesitate. And I like that in guys. And I think it. It manifests itself well late in games in clutch scenarios. And so I agree with you. It wouldn't shock me if, if Aaron Holiday, um, you know, found favor back into the lineup if, if injuries get him back in there and if he ever hit a big shot or two. And before we wrap this up, um, you know, the timing of this podcast, sometimes we forget stuff that happens uh, like on a Wednesday or a Thursday, but did want to address um, the unfortunate news that we learned that TJ Warren will not be back. I know a lot of our analysis had been, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, you've got your whole group back. Um, and so, unfortunately, the Pacers uh, now know they will not be getting T.J. Warren and that this group that they have, um, you know, if they can get McDermott and, and Lamb healthy, is going to be their group the rest of the way. Yeah, it was trade deadline day. It came across about 6 o'clock, and it was kind of similar of that New Year's Eve where you're not really expecting it. Well, I, New Year's Eve was completely different when you got the news then because we didn't know at the time how serious it would be we were just caught off guard. I wasn't expecting that news that day, but then when you took a step back, it was probably no better than 50-50 that he would be contributing this season. And I think maybe it just put too much pressure on him to come back at a point where maybe he could cause further damage. And so I do think there's a benefit to playing a couple games. Think about what Paul George did um, the year he was coming back from the, you know, leg surgery. To, to play those games, I think, helped him the following season. But I still think yeah. T.J. Warren will have enough, whether it's pickup or, um, you know, five-on-five opportunities in the summer that, and then the preseason game. So he'll have an opportunity to feel 100% and normal next season and doesn't have to rehab now with the thought, I'm going to be the savior. I'm going to come in and lead us on a playoff push. Um, he would be also, because of what he's already done with this franchise and what he did in the Orlando bubble and basically his most recent playing time, he would probably try to be that player right away. And it would be impossible to do that. So, um, you know, I think that they have Karis LeVert. He will be 100%. He can help make that push. You had to at least have one of those two players to really give yourself any optimistic hope for success in May. And so they've got him and they can continue to just work on TJ Warren to be as healthy as possible for next season. Yeah. And, 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 you know, big picture here, if, if Warren came back and, and re-injured something, I mean, it would just be, you know, a, a disaster and that's what you have to avoid. And it's disappointing. Um, I'm sure he's disappointed as well. You know, he had such a good bubble and everyone couldn't wait to see if he could extend that over the course of a season. And he never really got the chance to prove that he came in not a hundred percent healthy and unfortunately went down, but um, you're right. You've got you've got Levert. You needed at least one of those guys. I think the earlier portion of the season showed that they needed at least one more scorer. They've got it. And now, you know, as as we have talked about for a lot of this, can they consistently uh, get better down the stretch in in clutch moments? Um, can Karis Levert find his footing and and become what I think he will, which is that consistent. Uh, I don't even want to say third option because I think he can be at the level of those two guys. But I think. Ultimately, that, um, you know, we'll we'll have a pretty significant say in how much success the Pacers have this season. Uh, That'll wrap it up for me. Any final thoughts from you? I do have one final thought. When you see us on television next, we will be on Valley Sports, Indiana. So it'll be 
it might take a little getting used to. I've had a number of questions via Twitter and from different channels and people saying, what's changing? Can I still watch the games on the same channel? Everything that you normally do on a game night, you can continue to do um, the same. And, and technically, we've been under new ownership for a while. They've just not made the changes to the name and the graphics and the look. But I do think you're going to start to see a different mindset and a different presentation style as we move forward. It won't be all, you know, new on day one. Everything won't be different, but it'll be a little bit gradual from the basketball side of things. The regions that have baseball, they get to start from day one as Valley Sports Indiana with their new looks right, and graphics. Right. I have to admit that it's a little bit sad because, you know, as far as I can remember watching Pacers basketball, and it goes back to 1996, there have been games on Fox Sports, whether it was Fox Sports Midwest or uh, pretty much I, I would say using that same theme music when the show starts, you know the Pacers <laughs> are coming on the air. Now, if you're a fan of the Cavaliers or the Heat, uh, it, you think of it as that music. It wasn't it wasn't unique to the Pacers, but it, you just pretty much watch Pacers basketball. That was our music and so it's going to be different when we come on the air on wednesday night but the same channel in all of the same ways if you watched on fox sports go your app should update to valley sports indiana and so there are a lot of different things you may start to notice but um, we just hope it's maybe just a little bit of invigoration and excitement that you'll you'll start to notice and then maybe gradually as things move forward we can add some enhancements and things that can make the broadcasting even better but uh, same people will be doing of the work uh, in front of the camera and behind the scenes. And just notice that if, you, if you're flipping through the channels and if you watch it where you're just channeling up and down, don't worry, you, you haven't gotten the wrong channel. It's 6.30 <laughs> on Wednesday night. Um, the game will be on there. And I think you'll actually be uh, calling uh, high school games on Valley Sports Indiana on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll try. I'll, I'll do my best not to say Fox Sports Indiana. I think that's maybe, you know, much more challenging for you guys. It's like when we've had our, um, we've had our radio network name change a few times and, and that can always be challenging. So best of luck, uh, to you. And I think the only other thing that you have to figure out is what to do with your tw Twitter handle, right? Right. I had some, I, I told some people last night, I'm planning to do that today or tomorrow because the official launch is tomorrow. I do need to, uh, scrub FS Indiana. I've had to do this once already with Twitter. I was ISNJJ, Indie Sports Nation. Uh, I never uh, actually changed my Facebook account. It still says ISNJ or Jeremiah Johnson. So maybe <laughs> this is a good that. time for me to uh, go ahead and do both. I'm, I'm ashamed a little bit of that, but yeah, there are some, some selfish reasons to just keep it as it is. So uh, that might go on a little more personal direction where I'll just say my name. I'll have to figure out the best way that I can, um, what, how I can identify myself. The question I have is this, and I think yours is always good because you can say, Pat Boylan Pacers. If someone wants to search your name, they find it. If they're searching mm -hmm. Pacers, they find it. Jeremiah Johnson Pacers, when I tried the last time, was too long. Now, I do think there's been oh. a change via Twitter that maybe you can have longer handles. So that's probably going to be my first choice if it's available. Someone has told me uh, JJ Pacers or Pacers JJ is available. I thought one of those was already taken by someone with like two followers the last time I had to check. So that, that's in play as well. But I will say my favorite one, and, and this kind of ties into one thing we did say on the podcast already. I got to find it here on Twitter. Um, one was good. JJ's a happy dresser. You know, that'd be that'd be OK. Um, where, where am I? Not sideline guy, JJ. You don't think that'll be the move? 
Uh, you know what? Well, if we had just a little more sponsor money coming in, I, I could consider to go that That's direction. Fair. That's fair. Uh, maybe I'll just wait. Um, I'll, here it is. So, yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't take me this long because I actually quote tweeted it. So there, I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, you you have to be kind of a diehard to at JJ. What is a flagrant foul? That was one suggestion <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, I mean that would be awesome, right? Dennis Gray Jr., <laughs> you won the tweet of the night last night. I said, yeah. uh, this is the clubhouse leader, and don't at me. <laughs> I unfortunately think if the Pacers one is too long, then that one might be too long as well. But I, I yeah, do, I do think it's possible that Twitter, also, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do think it's possible that Twitter made those handles allowed to be longer when they uh, extended how long a tweet could be. So maybe you'll be in luck this time around hopefully they'll it's uh, on my agenda have and no i issues. actually have to make a new picture also because the picture uh, yeah. um that is my avatar is holding a fox sports mic flag so there's just uh, going to be a whole new look wake up on march 31st <laughs> and it's not even april fools it's it's actually like legitimate a new day for pacers broadcasts well, I've had the chance to see just a few of those elements, and they all look uh, really cool. I think it's going to be a nice rebrand. I think it's going to be something where ultimately your game coverage isn't going to isn't going to change. It's the same people behind the scenes, in front of the camera, behind the camera, and all of that. But um, it's got a new and, and refreshed look, and I think it's going to be something that uh, those watching will certainly enjoy. It. All right, that'll wrap it up for us this week. We will talk to you next Wednesday for JJ on Pat. This is the Sideline Guys podcast.